0: Greetings, PVIC. Welcome to the Post-Church Podcast, a time where we reflect on the Sunday Sermon and answer some practical questions. My name is Neil, and I'm here with Pastor Billy and Pastor Sean. So we're continuing in the Sermon on the Move series now. And today we're on Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 34. Pastor Billy, take it away. So in, uh, thanks, Neil. So in miracle. Matthew chapter 8,
1: 23 to 34, we see two uh, miracle stories that are set side by side. So we have Jesus calming of the storm and Jesus exercising demons. And one, it was important to recognize that these two stories are are set next to each other placed play side by side and while at first they seem different the two stories are really both exorcisms even though it seems only explicitly that one is but that the two stories are really both exorcisms of evil as Jesus reveals his identity as the victorious son of God So in Matthew 8, we see these smaller victories. Um, We see the the healing of the leper and and those things that we looked at um, over the past few weeks. We see these smaller victories of Matthew chapter 8 that ultimately point us forward to the ultimate victory of Christ upon the cross.
0: Thank you, Pastor Billy. So, on to the first question. Can a believer actually be possessed?
1: Yeah, so let's start with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, Keep I. Keep it light, you know? Yeah, yeah, light and breezy. I feel
0: like this is a question that yeah. people would no, like to know.
1: valid, right? Because I think we c- we come to passages like this and. I think at times we may feel that there's a certain antiquated nature to the passage as we're reading it by nature of what it's, what it's talking about. Um, So I think it's it's helpful when we're talking about the idea of, of the spiritual, spiritual warfare. um, And when you, when you talk about something like uh, a demon possession, I, I, I for me, I start with, you know, the idea that, you know, C.S. Lewis posed that often we, we make one of two errors when it comes to um, the demonic. And that's one that we either brush it off, right, as not um, something that's very real or very tangible or anything like that. And we don't make much of it. And the opposite error that we might make is that we make too much of it, right? That we, um, you know, look around every corner and rationalize everything as, as something that is, uh, you know, as part of spiritual warfare. So um, so I think as you, as you come to a- a- answer a question like that, I think all of us need to kind of level set our understanding around how we view um, spiritual warfare and demonic based on those questions. I think it's always a good place to start. Um, But when you come to that specific question, for me it really boils down to the language and and what we're talking about. When you say demon possession, Mm. that word for me is very visual, right? It brings an image to my mind. And that is one of, when you say possession, ownership. And for me, I think about the believer, Who is in Christ um, they are not going to be owned by anything else other than Christ right so you have Jesus own words right in John chapter 10 um, he's talking about those that the father has given him my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand right so to me for me I hear that and I say well, for a Christian someone who's in Christ um, you know they're not going to be um, um, demon possessed but I will make the distinction of demon possession and demonic op- oppression right that they're that we exist in this reality where spiritual warfare is real right that is that it is there there are spiritual realities that we have to be aware of and that there are impacts and influences and things like that that we need to be ready for in our in our mind in our heart but the idea of being possessed by anyone other than Christ for a Christian right is an idea that I you know I wouldn't think makes sense
2: And I think that uh, going along with that passage that you just mentioned in John, I'm reminded of uh, 1 Corinthians 6, where it says that we are literally temples of the Holy Spirit. So the idea of being a temple of the Holy Spirit and then to be possessed by another spirit just seems counterintuitive. But to be oppressed by demonic powers or demonic forces or demonic influence, um, we certainly could fall prey to that
1: right the consequences of the the broken
2: broken world that
1: we're living right. in right the the consequences of sin and the effects of sin in the world that we live in right that's um that's something that that we can be aware of but um you know when it comes to that assurance um for someone who's in Christ um to hear Christ utter those words that no one is able to snatch snatches out of the hand of the father um you know those words They're faith-bolstering words from
2: our Savior to us. So moving on to question two, I wanted to ask you about something that I've kind of done quite a bit when when I was younger, and it's this tendency to read myself into a passage. Hmm. Um, For example, if we were to read about David and Goliath or we were to read about um, Christ himself, to read ourselves into the passage and to say that, oh, I'm like Christ in this passage. Is it dangerous for us, and let's just use today's sermon for for an example, is it dangerous for us to read too much into the passage um, where we might say something like, um, the storm represents the struggles that I have in my life, be it um, an argument with my wife or be it uh, a difficulty I'm having with my children? And I'm the disciple in the boat. Are we on shaky ground when we start to do that?
1: Yeah, it, you know, you bring up that idea of being being young and uh, being in the church and reading your Bible, being in Sunday school. And I think, you know, for those of us that grew up in the church, that's a common experience. Um, so I think one part of the reason that we may have done that when we were younger and may still do that now is you know, I think maybe tied into how the Bible was was taught to us as as children, as young people, right? I think when you're attempting to, attempting to disciple children and teach children, there's a a temptation to I think Use that sort of methodology, right, to integrate them in the story, and in the idea that this will be engaging for them
2: to make it fun, right, to make, make it, it interesting. Fun, yeah. but
1: then what have we lost in the t- in the sense of how we rightly understand, you know, scripture in that sort of way? So I think that's why why it happens. So, um, yeah, there I- there are perils to that, because as we said in the sermon, there's lots of there were lots of lessons to be learned um, from the passage it had all kinds of implications to all different um, matters in our life. But the main lesson, the main focus was the identity of Christ. Right, That was the focus of this passage. And if your f- eyes first go to that application step and, Contemporizing and bringing things forward into your personal context, and oftentimes, as you're reading scripture, if you re- read scripture through that lens, you're going to miss mm-hmm. <clears throat> what what is the point? Because the the the, um, the grand goal of scripture is ultimately all of it is pointing to Christ, right? right? So, yeah, that is shaky ground to start from. That now, I will say. Um, if you if you're reading scripture and you start from that lens, and you start from that point, then there is, you, there is an opportunity to go from there, from that starting point, to the application. And rather than saying reading ourselves into scripture, I would say more that if we were Going to identify ourselves in any point of scripture, especially in the Gospels um, We would definitely not want to be identifying ourselves with Christ, right? Mm. We want to be identifying ourselves with those that are um, Needing instruction needing saving needing rescue and then from that point of view There is an opportunity for application where we can kind of um, You know read scripture in that way, but we can't start from that ground because then we we've already put ourselves on on shaky footing um we have to begin with the lens that uh ultimately um god's word is to um reveal christ to us right to show us christ and that's you know we see the conclusion of you know every sunday right in light of god's word to you on this day right we Say it every time. I call upon you to what see Christ in the Word. It's so important, right? And that encouragement to do that is because we would be on shaking, shaky around otherwise if we didn't.
2: Yeah. So I think when we're looking at this passage in particular, maybe a better way to look at it, would you agree, would be to first look at it in the sense that it's revealing who Christ is, His power, but that in the context of that storm he was sovereign he was in control would you say that that's a better approach to look at it
1: yeah i mean the 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 questions in the passage lead you to um the purpose the question is that the question that the disciples ask is who is this man and it's right at the center of the narrative and it and it drives us to that right and and what is on display is Christ's power, his sovereignty, his control, like he is the central figure, not us read into it, and not any of the other individuals in the story, although they're there, and you see the um, you see the the effect of Christ, right? You see the ripples. Of what the identity of who Christ is, the effect of that, and the effect of that is is, is re- really the the spreading of salvation, right? The spreading of rescue, which you see all throughout Matthew eight, right? The leper, the slave, the uh, Peter's mother-in-law, all those that He heals, you know, and uh, the demon-possessed men, right? You see the implications, but the, all those things that are happening are tangential to and around. The unmistakable fact of the identity that Jesus is the son of God and that is the center point and That's the grounding point for the passage. And if we come at it any other way We've already gone awry
0: Thank you, Pastor Billy um, So going into this week, um, what are some questions that we can uh, think about? So first
1: um, We talked about Jesus, uh, the Son of God, the, um, you know, the author of creation. So, for you, when when looking upon creation, what aspects of the created world uh, reveal Jesus' authority as the Son of God to you? right, so that's the first question. And the second question is, We talked about Jesus as a son of God who who is a judge who judges evil So the question is how does the fact that Jesus judges evil Inform how you relate to injustices in this world Right, how is there a connection to be made? How does understanding that inform your view? And lastly, um um, this is and this is more of a self-reflective question, but what facets of your life could be most impacted by meditating on the victorious nature of Jesus' work upon the cross? Um, I think at times we, we get caught up in the, the sorrow of the cross, right? The emotionalism around the cross, right? But what could be impacting your life by meditating on the victorious nature of Jesus' work upon the cross.
0: Thank you, Pastor Billy. Some really good uh, points to ponder upon. Uh, We look forward to tackling these questions this week. And also, we will be taking a two-week break and we'll be back in September. And until then, let us strive to live all of life to the glory of God.